exploring faith journeys and inspiring ministries that embody the good news of God. This is The Cumberland Road. I'm your host, T.J. Melanoski. The power of words are great building blocks to describe our situation, our circumstance, our faith. Today's guest thoughtfully shares her faith, weaving our conversation from the present to the past and to the future. Reverend Eleanor Brown is an ordained Cumberland Presbyterian minister who has spent much of her ministry serving in various capacities at the denominational level. Currently, she serves as the Discipleship Ministry Team Leader of the Ministry Council. In our conversation, Eleanor shares how her faith journey is becoming skilled in the art of being present, creative, generous, and introspective. Enjoy this episode of Cumberland Road with guest Eleanor Brown. Eleanor Brown, thank you for joining me. Take a few minutes and uh, tell me who you are, what you're doing. Um, I'm Eleanor Brown. Um, been um, Cumberland Presbyterian for all of my life. I am working for the discipleship ministry team now as the team leader and um, have a a husband who's also an ordained minister, uh, a daughter who's an elder and in the church that we attend and um, have a son-in-law and a, and a granddaughter, which everybody teases me about, about talking about continuously, but I can't <laughs> help it. She's great. Right. <laughs> right. A new member to the family. That's Why wouldn't right. you want the world to know? That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. You have served at the denominational level at some capacity for most of your life, right? Yeah, since uh, since 1990, um, I uh, did uh, a little bit while I was in seminary. Uh, Mark and I um, traded jobs as the switchboard receptionist and uh, as assistant to the um, Cumberland Presbyterian editor um, so I'm not really counting that but but coming <laughs> coming back uh, from uh, an associate pastor job and um, in 1990 been with the board of stewardship and uh, with the discipleship ministry team all these years wow. <laughs> and now you're the team leader what role did you have before you were the team leader for the discipleship team um, I was the coordinator of stewardship education. That's right. That was touch the future days. Uh, that that was actually when I was with the board of stewardship. Okay. Touch right. the future. Well, yeah. I should just be quiet and let you no, tell no, the no, no, no. That's chronology. Fine. Of That's it. fine. <laughs> uh, in fact, uh, I was thinking about that. Uh, uh, the personal experience uh, of of God standing out in my life and I always uh, always well I have talked about it in sermons before and one of one of those times had to do with uh, with touch the future I was um, going to the Cumberland Presbyterian Church of Germantown where I attend now and I was going to talk to the session about uh, doing the discernment process for touch the future and uh, so what I usually did was come up with um, some sort of scripture um, and feeling led by the Holy Spirit about what that would be and so before that uh, before that meeting that I was going to be having with them I started thinking about it I can remember I was ironing which I don't do very often, so it was <laughs> it was one of those things, and uh, I started thinking about you know what is the scripture that I need to do, and all of a sudden um, the 
scripture by the waters of Babylon. We laid down our harps. You know, how can we sing a song? All of that. And I thought, no, God, that is a terrible scripture. You know, <laughs> that is so depressing. I'm not going to use that. I'm not going to use it. But it kept coming back to me and coming back to me. So I went on to work in uh, Davis Gray, who was the uh, GA executive, uh, was helping with the Touch the Future stuff. And so he, um, I went down to his office and I said, Davis, God is telling me to use this scripture. I don't want to use it. I think it's, you know, depressing, and I don't want to use it. I said, I don't even know where it is. And he, and I said, do you know where it is? And he said, no, I can't think right off the top of my head, you know. And he's a Bible scholar, so I thought, well, if he didn't know where it is, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going <laughs> to go to my go-to um, discernment scripture, which is... Uh, Psalm 139, search me, O God, and discern my heart. And, and uh, so walk back down to my office, you know, trotting down, uh, feeling smugly, I don't know what, but uh, uh, got down there and I flipped my Bible open to Psalm 139 and then casually looked over to the other page. By the waters of Babylon, we laid down our harps. <laughs> it was like, Okay, God, I get it. It's right here. I'm going to use it. And uh, so I planned uh, planned that time, uh, went to the session um, whenever, whenever that night was. And it just so happened that there had been a storm that night. Electricity went out at church. We decided to go ahead and, and have the meeting, but I couldn't do what I normally did, which you know, entailed uh, electricity, a um, uh, projector and computer and that sort of thing. And so what we did was we just put a candle in the middle of the table and uh, started talking about that scripture. And uh, it was, of course, the perfect scripture because... Uh, Germantown, right before we got there, had had um, a family, a big family, leave the church, and they had been right on the edge of doing building and that sort of thing, and had to kind of pull back on all of that, and kind of left a, a sadness to the to the church. And so, by the time we were doing this um, doing this discernment process. It was just things were getting back, the church was getting back on its feet and, and everything. And so the session sat around the candle and talked about, um, yeah, we feel like we've been in, in exile and now it's time to go back to Jerusalem. And so that, that, holy, that holy experience, <laughs> that whole experience was what I was going to say, Freudian slip. Uh, it was a holy experience for me. It just, you know, was kind of one of those that couldn't couldn't help knowing that God was in the whole process. Well, and you couldn't avoid it either. It oh was... no, 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 no. Uh, I don't think I was running away from it like uh, <laughs> like uh, Jonah or anything like that, but. Um, but I do, you know, it takes me a while to get a message sometimes, but usually I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you had any other experiences that have drawn you close to God, uh, significant in your faith journey? Um, well, um, I think that that um, everything that that has been a part of my life has been a faith journey. Um, sometimes I have reflected on uh, my life growing up in, in Tampa, Florida uh, at Lewis Memorial Cumberland Presbyterian Church. I felt like I was, I had made it when I finally could spell that <laughs> as a kid. Uh, but I think that that, that time um, 
kind of started out the uh, the foundation for uh, for my faith journey. Um, it was probably a little bit more of a uh, a conservative church than a conservative mindset than um, I would be now. Uh, but in talking with the young seminarian one time, I said, you know, I could be embarrassed by my experiences in the past, the mis you know mistakes I've made or where I've come from, and that's not just with faith. I mean, that's with with anything. But um, looking at those experiences, reflecting on those experiences, have been the uh, the building blocks that bring me to where I am today, and so. I have to be. I have to be good with the good with those things, um, and and those are growth opportunities. Always, yeah, always. And you know, I'm will probably be looking in ten years at myself now and going, "Wow, wonder why, <laughs> wonder why you were where you were." Uh, but that's that's all of us, I think, all of all of our lives. I, yeah, I do that. I I'll look back and go, why did I worry about that? Yeah. Why did that concern me or bother me? Yeah. How embarrassing. <laughs> you know, what were, what were you thinking back then? It was no big deal. Yeah. But it felt like it in yeah, that moment. When you're when you're in the moment, it is a big deal. <laughs> and and um, you know, talking about uh, touch the future, uh, the idea of taking of taking that responsibility on of of creating something out of nothing, uh, a discernment process uh, was a real struggle in my life trying to decide, can I do this? Do I have enough uh, self-confidence to even attempt creating something like that? And I, I wasn't by myself. I had, had great support and uh, Richard McGrill, who was my boss at that time, and and as I said, Davis Gray, who who helped with that, and a lot of other people. Uh, but yeah, sometimes I think people see things in us that we don't. Yeah. See in ourselves. Exactly. Kind of that gentle hand. Yeah, and I think that that's probably always uh, always the way. I um, I went to Bethel thinking that I was going to be. Uh, well, that I was a music major and that I would probably lead a choir, church choir, or, you know, do something like that. And then about halfway through my process, music major dropped and it's kind of like, oh, <laughs> need to reevaluate, God, what are you trying to say to me? <laughs> and uh, so ended up getting an English major, which is which I highly recommend to any seminary student to come to seminary with a, with an English major. And uh, that kind of changed changed the changed my thinking about where I was going into the future. Um, so much more than you know the local context of mm -hmm. serving a local congregation through the music ministry. Well, even even then, you know, coming under the care of Presbytery and thinking about, uh, you know, what is it that I want to do, um, I thought for a while, well, maybe I'll become a hospital chaplain or whatever. A lot of women ministers think alternatively rather than, uh, you know, kind of a, the normal going to serve as a senior pastor or whatnot. Um, and very ironically, I became an associate pastor and Mark became a chaplain <laughs> and so, you know, hospital chaplain. So there you go. Uh, what words of encouragement would you give to a woman preparing for ministry to the word and the sacraments? I guess I would, um, I would say, especially if that if that person was in in a family situation or whatever, especially um, somebody once told me that 
you know, when you're at home, you need to be at home and present, and when you need to be, I mean, and when you're at the church, you need to be fully present there. Um, so I guess that's not just women ministers, but I think, uh, uh, I think it, it um, can speak to, speak to any minister um, and to uh, be confident about what you feel like you're being called to. I think there are a lot of uh, women ministers who are in alternate ministries, uh, air quotes around alternate, <laughs> uh, uh, simply because there, there may not be, may or may not be opportunities um, out there uh, in, a, in a church pastorate. Uh, but I've been really blessed, I think, uh, myself to um, have people who have had confidence in me and have reached out and say, you know, we'd like for you to uh, come serve here and we'd like for you to come serve here. I know that's not the case with everybody, but uh, being open to the, to those leadings. Right, and then the layer of clergy couple <laughs> yeah, um, adds to the fun oh, yes. in the dynamics yes. of ministry. Yeah, um, it, it, it uh, adds the other layer of both, both people need to uh, feel that call and have that call, and it's kind of a, a push-pull sometimes. Um, you know, thinking about when when we were coming out of seminary, um, we were thinking, well, Mark would get a call to a pastorate or whatever, and it was, it was um, Tom Campbell who approached me as an associate, and uh, and so having having that one uh, that one job position, and then saying, okay, how can we be creative in the in the other, of course, that's that's the way it is with clergy couples, whether whether both are ordained or not. You know, one gets a call and one uh, will need to find a position, whatever whatever that may be. Right, it's not exclusive. You're right to <laughs> clergy couples. It's a challenge for for any in a relationship. But. Yeah, it does have it does have a lot of benefits that you don't feel like you're. Um, in this together, that you can talk about things. Um, um, I think sometimes, you know, I laugh about when Mark would say something in Presbytery, I'd say, now you know that everybody's going to think that you said that because I told you to say it. <laughs> and if they know Mark and know the Browns, they know that that would not be true. But uh, um, but it, it, it it's nice to to feel like you have have somebody that has has your back like that. Yeah, there's pros and cons. I, you know, I was sharing with uh, a previous guest, uh, Reverend Christopher Martin. He and his wife were ordained ministers, and so you have the language and sort of a mm -hmm. general background where you can just slip in and go, "This is what's happening." Yeah. And then the con would be is is what you were referring to earlier of being present in the moment. Mm -hmm. At home, you focus on being home, yeah. And then, in the church life, focus on church life, and that can become a very gray area, whether you're a clergy couple or not. But it mm -hmm. would be like, okay, I'm trying to leave this at the door, right? But there may be an, another congregation or another ministry that is separate that needs to be talked out loud about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, bringing uh, when when Mark and I both worked for the center when he was the editor of the CP magazine. Um, and I was working for the Board of Stewardship, a lot of times we would end up talking, <laughs> talking shop or, or whatever you want to call it uh, and, you know, have to kind of make, make boundaries, uh, set boundaries and say, you know, okay, we're at home. Let's talk family, right, <laughs> talk family right. stuff. And, and life and ministry has seasons sometimes it sure. has to roll over and you know sure. celebrate things that need celebrating exactly. And, exactly and then working things out that have to be worked out yeah right 
Well, in terms of your service to the church and and your your faith, what is it about Christ and having a relationship with Christ? It just keeps you grounded and centered. Um, well, um, I think uh, Christ gives me a purpose. Uh, I think that since I have chosen um, chosen ministry as a vocation I think that uh, that my faith that my faith keeps me uh, keeps me grounded in uh, in again feeling like I have someone that I could talk to about uh, about my faith about uh, about my experiences in life um, that there is somebody who acts as an example for me. Um, you know, I talked about things building, uh, building up, uh, and found the foundation and those building blocks to, that you know get me where where I am today. I think one of those. Um, one of those things is is looking at Christ's life and Christ's death and resurrection and um, having that come alive in some ways. I remember when uh, when our daughter Sydney was was first born. We were um, in Knoxville, um, you know, having that little baby in my arms and everything, and thinking God gave up this this little baby in, uh, in arms. Mary and Joseph, you know, were stewards of, of Jesus' life and gave up this baby and to uh, be crucified for me. And that, um, that impacted my life even more because I had the experience of being uh, being a parent and uh, you know coming to the realization that that is the greatest gift in the world having that responsibility you know changes perspective yeah but being able to let go changes the perspective as well as the child ages you know yeah. just you know, like oh you know that form of protection can only extend so far and exactly. and it changes as well where it may may move from physical to just verbal and encouragement things like that yeah yeah and i see that even more um more now when i see uh, sydney and brian parenting evelyn and um you know being so proud of of them and being um you know, being able to say, yeah, they got it. I don't need to, you know, <laughs> tell them every little thing about every little thing. Right. And uh, if Sydney's listening, she says, yeah, you could say that a lot less. <laughs> you know, you could say a lot less. But uh, but I think that uh, that giving up is, is really, you know, it comes home when when you're thinking about faith and the whole idea of of Jesus' sacrifice for us. Yeah, it seems counterintuitive as from a parent, parental uh, perspective of of kind of giving up. Mm -hmm. uh, be like, no, no, yeah, hang on tighter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, draw closer in. Um, but it's very narrow to kind of think that way, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's not a benefit no. to... To you as the parent, or, or to the child. Yeah, we were. Uh, Sydney and I were talking the other day about uh, about uh, letting Evelyn cry a little bit at our. She's getting used to sleeping at our house some too, and you know, so that she can have the big sleepover. And uh, and so we were listening to her cry some, and and you know, I said, oh. It's hard. It was easier when I was doing it with you rather than with this granddaughter. And she said, you know, we're not doing any favors if we're not letting her <laughs> self-soothe, you know, right. because it's 
it's crying, taking a nap right now, but it's going to be, you know, other struggles that she's going to have to face, mm-hmm. you know, in the future, and she's got to be able to deal with them. We've got to help her do that. Well, speaking of parents, I'm going to lead you into this question okay. of, of um, you know, individuals having a great impact on, on your journey of faith. Mm-hmm. You know, your mom and dad, very active in the church. And I remember spending the night at, at their house. And your mom showed me this um, guest book mm-hmm. of, over the years, all these individuals that have um, spent the night at their house. And they've mm-hmm. been very hospitable. And they have had an impact on a great number of people from uh, both denominations and beyond, mm-hmm. of course. Um, so I'm leading you into this question of who have been some people who have had a great impact on your journey of faith? Well, of, of course they have, <laughs> but let me talk about my, my mother's mother first, um, sure. Faye Clater. Um, I think, uh, as a, as a young person, she was, um, somebody who really had a great impact. Um, she was there in uh in tampa with us and so that was you know we saw her every week and and um her life was that generosity and that hospitality and i think that that was a good example for me um she was always at the um, church women united close closet every week um she was um making clothes for people, she was quilting for people, she would, um, she had a green thumb unlike me and would bring a little, I don't know, a little posy or whatever, you know, a little, (laughs) a a little bunch of of flowers wrapped up in, you know, wet pepper towels and, and foil or whatever to people at the church or to me or whatever. And I think that 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 hospitality, that um, the importance of being at Vacation Bible School with with us kids, all of those kinds of things, I think that 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 hospitality and generosity go, um, go a long way toward giving me, giving me that example. Um, of course, my folks um, in in their hospitality, as you've mentioned to other people, I um, they probably get tired of me saying to other people, "Oh, talk to my folks; they'll be glad to have you and <laughs> and everything." But the truth is, they they enjoy that so so much being able to experience people, especially who might be coming. Um, through from Columbia or um, wherever the people that they have have been able to um, become friends with over the years, um, especially especially people from uh, from Columbia uh, missionaries Beth and Boyce Wallace, um, uh, the Stotts coming from Japan and you know then then living there. Um, but in addition to that hospitality, I think that their uh, generosity is is something that um, that has really had an impact on me. They were brought up on on the farm, mm-hmm. and you know didn't uh, didn't grow up in in a family with with a lot of of money, a lot of possessions, and all of that. And um, you know that's that um, idea of stewardship, I think, has, has continued on with us. Um, uh, having, knowing about their planned giving, about, you know, writing a will, about, you know, all of the estate planning, all of those kinds of things uh, have, have an impact on, uh, on us children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that that's, that's been a great impact for us. Elsie um, Waddle, Dr. Elsie Waddle, who was at, at Bethel when Mark and I were um, 
<clears throat> engaged. He uh, did our uh, premarital counseling, and we laugh about the fact that we're probably the only ones who did like a year's worth of premarital counseling simply because we had such a good time with him that we just kept meeting and meeting. And he said, you know, when you get tired of this, then we'll stop. And, you know, we didn't. So we just, uh, it was a, a good way of being able to talk through a lot of different things, even if it didn't necessarily have to do with, uh, with our married, married lives. Um, he was a good good impact and I guess finally Margaret McKee would be one mm -hmm. um, that uh, that I would say had a had a great impact on me um, as an adult since that's when I knew her um, the uh, spiritual guidance that she has given so many people uh, or had given so many people in the past including me um, being able to um, learn that, you know, there's not one way of praying. There's not one way of, uh, of doing things. Um, I think that, that that kind of experiential meditation that um, has helped me so much, being able to... Um, sing to Zay songs or go to a silent retreat or um, focusing on um, an object or whatever that is. Um, I, the guided meditations, I think that those, um, um, those experiences for me um, through her have been uh, really impactful and are still impactful. Those are some, you know, as as those uh, places that I've seen God. Those are a lot of the of the places I've seen seen God through uh, through some of the things that she she taught me. One of the things that I admire about you is um, I can see in myself getting um, fast paced and wanting to run to the next project and complete this and that. And, and I've worked with you and I've observed and you have more of a, a laid back attitude and just kind of, well, hold on a minute, take a deep breath and sort of, um, I don't know, I don't want to call it a slower approach, but maybe a more, uh, a reserved and, um, thoughtful approach instead of just plowing into something and, see what happens it's totally fake oh, okay <laughs> no i'm just kidding um yeah i think uh in a lot of ways that that is the case um i'm an introvert um and so a lot of that has to do with um you know being thoughtful about what's going on what impact these things these things have uh, I've read articles about um, it, it, it takes a little bit longer for introverts to process things because um, with an extrovert, they go straight to short memory and, and pick, up, pick up the information that they need and so they can spit it right out. But with introverts, they go to long-term memory and... Um, examine the the feelings and the emotions and all of that 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 uh, an experience uh, involves or or gives you and so it takes a little bit longer to go yeah that's I think that would be the way to go because because here's how it made me feel here's how it made me think and and whatnot so so that is is there um, I think sometimes it's um, it's, you know, a lot of um, just holding, holding things in, too. I think that there, there's the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. I, you know, the times that I've gone through um, depression and um, uh, those, those kinds of experiences, and people will comment to me, I didn't even know you were going through that, and that's a lot of... of uh, Kind of keeping keeping things to myself and and uh, 
being in my head thinking through things. Uh, <laughs> on the flip side, you know, there's there's a lot to be said about about uh, keeping in in your head. Sometimes you can entertain yourself and never be alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that that's helpful. I know there there's been settings where you and I have been together and it was emotionally charged, and I'd look over at you and it'd be like. Well, I mean, look how reserved Eleanor is when, when everything is just tense in the moment. I sort of admired that, but now that I've gotten inside your head, I look at it totally. No. Well, another th- another thing is, um, I think uh, conflict is. I wouldn't say it doesn't bother me, but I would say, I th- I think it's healthy. Um, I think a lot of times we as Christians. Uh, will say, oh, you can't, you can't have conflict or whatever, because that's unchristian thing to do. And I think that that's um, so many times the exact opposite. Um, I remember an experience um, in seminary, being in a class, and um, I don't know, there was something that just hadn't really. Um, jived in the class or whatever, gelled, and um, so we got to a midterm or something like that, and it was just blowing everybody away. We were all looking at each other like, you know, here, we haven't learned this, uh, (laughs) this stuff, and so, you know, I could tell everybody in the room was feeling that same way, but they weren't saying anything. It just looked like everybody was was getting more and more angry. And so finally I said to the professor, I said, you know, I think, I think we're not in the same place. And we began a discussion about, um, you know, we, we hadn't really gotten what he was, uh, thought that he was giving us and whatnot and um it ended up where you know he very graciously said okay you know give me back the test we're going to start over we're going to start in a different way um and it was a great class it ended up being a being a great class but it was um somebody in the room had to say you know this is not, this is not right. We've got to, we've got to, you know, do something else. We've got to start somewhere else. And so I, I think usually if somebody will do that, then there can be good conversation. But right. you gotta, you gotta be vulnerable enough to do that. And I'm not always the person that does that. But if I can be that person, a lot of times I will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I know that it's important. As somebody who is very introspective, um, where do you see God working in your life today? Well, first of all, not faith-wise, but I would see God working in my granddaughter. Of course, I mentioned her three times (laughs) or or four or so, but I've lost count. Um, But... Uh, being able to experience, I remember I wrote on on Facebook soon after she was born. Why didn't you grandparents tell me how good this was going to be and uh, and how wonderful I was going to feel? And uh, Mark and I sometimes will look at each other and and say, you know, gosh, we're so lucky that we have the best grandchild in the whole wide world and the smartest and the prettiest and all of you know uh, it's great to have somebody who is feeling that exact same thing so that's uh, that's a big deal in my life and and having uh, having um, Sydney's family close by there's something uh, really humbling to be able to see the world through another person's eyes that you know through a a baby or a child and you end up learning so yeah. much because it's a different perspective where they may be I'm looking down at the table but they're looking at the up at the table right and it's still the table but it looks very different 
Yeah, and it gives you, um, I think maybe that's one of the reasons why Jesus said, you know, you've got to come as a child because uh, being able to look at something so fresh and so new, um, you know, just, it just makes you amazed, mm-hmm. you know, being able to, to know that this is how our body works and this is how, you know, these cells work. And it makes me think I can't, I can't believe everybody wouldn't be, <laughs> wouldn't be a Christian, wouldn't be a, a, a faithful believer in, uh, in God creating the world and, and whatnot. So that not in the in the faith or vocational area. Um, I think one of the things that I feel really gifted um, with is such a good good team to be able to work with uh, with Jody Rush and with Nathan Wheeler and and Chris Fleming and Cindy Martin, um, Andy McClon. I think. Um, they will accept any challenge <laughs> that I give them, even if it's a, a financial cash flow for what there's an event that they're doing or whatever. Um, they continue to amaze me when uh, when we have staff meetings and they um, bring some new idea to the table. It's just it's kind of like oh my gosh I can't you know believe believe that um, such good ideas are are coming forward I tease them about uh, saying that I'm uh, I'm the talent wrangler <laughs> talent coordinator <laughs> I just you know uh, say they'll they'll come to me with something and then I'll say okay how much is it gonna cost and that's that's about uh, that's not all that all that that entails, but uh, but um, I think it's that's an amazement to me to be able to work with these people and and you know of course that extends to to the ministry council staff and yeah. and everything. Our mutual friend and colleague uh, Johan Daza he calls them fresh expressions, mm-hmm. being able to have these new ideas. Yeah. These new visions and explore them. They're called fresh expressions. I've always liked that. Yeah. That's a, that's a great way of Yeah. I always try uh, to think up of something new. <laughs> say it in this context so that he'll go, mm, that's a fresh expression. Yeah. Yeah. But that God moving yeah. through individuals or, or through groups and coming up with new ideas to do ministry mm. or tailoring in existing ideas yeah fresh expressions I've always like that yeah I like that and and it makes it um, it makes some of the hardships or problems or or whatnot um, worth it to be able to say okay I feel like God is leading us in this in this direction what are, what are going to be the barriers what are going to be the things that are going to trip us up and mm-hmm. And that introspective right. part of Eleanor. Right. <laughs> Being able to, to look at that. And, and I love creativity and being around people that are, that are creative just uh, is a wonderful thing. Yeah. It makes me feel great. <laughs> There's an energy right. around dreamers and, <laughs> right. and explorers and, yeah, excitement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. It yeah. is admire those people that are able to kind of step out into the unknown yeah they seem so brave yeah so i'll just i'll just stick with trying to <laughs> trying to find the money for things and then just <laughs> take all of the glory that they <laughs> from from the ideas that they that they bring to us or or whatnot well talking about the discipleship team and its ministries let's expand that a little bit about the church that uh, we both serve what Ideas. What hopes do you have for the Cumberland Presbyterian denomination? Um, I think that this is is not a um, a new one as far as I'm concerned. Um, 
but I think it just it just comes to my mind over and over again as um, maybe as each new general assembly comes to <laughs> comes uh, comes around and um, I think my hope for the church would be that um, we would let go of the things that um, society tells us we need to think about or other denominations tell us our measuring sticks that we need to um, to think about I think that we could use so much we could use our energy so much better if we were not trying to bring hot topics um, that divide us to the forefront and to instead uh, focus on the things that that Jesus focused on. I was looking yesterday because uh, because of this uh, question just kind of getting in my mind again uh, what Jesus talked about the most and one of the things was money and the other was the kingdom of God um, and I think that that those um, those two things are the things we need to be focusing on um, and when I when I say money I realize that that's not just money but what um, what money uh, represents in uh, in the parables mm-hmm. um, like the the woman who who gave gave all uh, very quietly um, it's it's not particularly about the money I mean it is money that she was giving but it was it, it was the attitude and um, so I think that I think that if we were Focusing on on the things, the poor. Focusing on what makes um, this world the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Um, what fulfills the kingdom of God in our world? Um, Earlier, we were before we started recording. You were, you encompassed stewardship, mm-hmm. which included the money and the service, and, right? And so, a lot of those parables. The money is the the linchpin, but it's that stewardship of us yeah. as yeah. followers. It's the attitude of being able to being able to be generous with whatever we have. It's the idea of the recognition that you know this is God's world, God's creation. Um, we can't just go around doing what we want um, and killing things that are that are a part of this world that really help us help us live mm-hmm. that would be an ongoing aspiration I think as right. as you said it was yeah. a challenge for us as an entire denomination to grapple with all the time in measure yeah and say this is important yeah now this may be important but later yeah yeah how are we? Um, doing justice and and seeking kindness and walking humbly with our God. Mm. Uh, that's uh, that's what I think we need to be focusing on. If we were focusing on those things, I think that I, I think that some of the other other things would just kind of fall away. That requires discernment. It it's does. almost those tools. Then those skills have to be built within, as kind of as we go as disciples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that I think that that's. Um, I think if we were doing discernment, one of the things about discernment is it doesn't happen in a vacuum. It doesn't happen by one person. Right. It's the community coming together and raising up, um, uh, raising up what what it is that we feel like God is calling us to do. Mm-hmm. One of the discipleship blueprints that I was uh, working with was being able to talk to people in the in the PAUSE program, Program of Alternate Studies, 
this past week we were we were teaching and uh, one of the things we we talked about was how you go about setting up your your discipleship ministry team within your church and focusing on discerning what is it that God's calling us to do mm-hmm. um, not what's God calling the big old church down the street to do or um, uh, God's calling us to a particular kind of children's ministry or something when all we have is 65 year or older people so so I think that uh, bringing people together and being able to say what do we as a community think that God is calling us to do and then being able to focus on those things and do those things the best way we can that's I think that that is is when we will hear that voice saying well done good and faithful servant you know (laughs) when we're when we're working in that way and feeling feeling energized by um, by what's going on around us well how can we continue to follow you on your faith journey where can we find you what do you what are you into well um one of the things that i'm um hoping to start uh at the beginning of the year is a new blog and tentatively it's called good news generosity um i recently became familiar with the um, um with a blog or news article or whatever that um, told different different uh, ideas about you know good good news things that have happened in the world and um, as I was reading some of those it became really clear these people are are not just doing something to do something um, or doing something to even serve but it's that idea of generosity that has caused them to do to do what they're doing mm-hmm. because they've felt that conviction that they that they know that they have been blessed in many ways and want to you know kind of pay that forward and and bless others so the blog is going to be on uh, somehow taking taking that news article and kind of raising up the the generosity aspect okay. of it. So I hope that that's <laughs> I hope that that's going to be uh, going to be done. All right. Um, so yeah, more more forthcoming. I guess as yes. we get closer yes. to the new year. Yes. Watch this space, as Rachel Maddow says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, anything else? I don't. I don't really think of anything. It's been a pleasure to to be here yeah, and, thank and you. talk about yeah, these thank, things. Thank you so much for sharing your faith journey you. and about your ministry and about your family and about your life. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for listening to today's podcast. Grab a friend and travel with us on our next journey down Cumberland Road. <laughs>